Hello and welcome to the MSL Consultant podcast. I'm your host and founder of MSL Consultant, Aoife O'Dwyer. Today on the podcast, I interview Monica and we discuss MSL insights. What are they? How can an MSL know when they've heard a true insight? How can an MSL get these insights from KOLs with some really practical advice around this particular topic? And lastly, when an MSL gets these insights, what should they do with them to demonstrate their value? I really enjoyed recording this episode. Monica and I had a great discussion. I think you'll get a lot out of it. If you are new to the MSL role and feeling a little bit lost, check out the link in the show notes to read more about our MSL upskill guide. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Monica. How are you today? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for coming on the MSL Consultant Podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing actionable insight development. Before we dive into this juicy topic, I'd love you to provide a bit of an overview of your background and education and experience to the listeners. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here today. It's really a pleasure. Um, I also want to say that anything that I say today, these expressions are just my own and they are not uh, my employers. So uh, I'm Monica and I am from Spain, but I am working as an MSL in the UK and I work in the area of uh, cardiorenal metabolism. I'm a PhD by training and have had a PhD between the UK and Australia. And actually, and interestingly, it was in oncology. So I just changed of therapy area for my first MSL role. And I directly moved from uh, academia. So I did a one year postdoc uh, or one year postdoc project uh, within oncology. And then I directly moved into my first MSL position, which is the same one I am today. And it's, it's been a year and a half I have been in this role and yeah that's me. Fantastic and how did you find the transition from academia to medical affairs like if there was one piece of advice you could give others who are trying to do that what did you find that was really useful and worked for you? I don't think I can give just one piece of advice but uh, in a nutshell um, I would say apply with time because I was expecting to get quite quick, but that wasn't the case. So give yourself time. Don't expect to finish your academia role and straight away get into um, the companies. Then give yourselves time. And also I I, I was listening to this, this podcast actually when I was finding my position. So listen to the podcast, uh, talk to people. Like maybe that's the big thing. Network with people in pharma. Um, everybody will be, well, maybe not everybody, but many people and you'll be surprised it's going to give you the time and by this I'm raising the hand anybody who wants support I would be able to support uh, as much as I can because we are quite busy but I at the same time started networking I built my network in LinkedIn actually Um, I got so much valuable advice from MSLs from MSL managers from even medical directors it was really really i would always be super thankful and that's the reason why i got my position because everybody knows you then or a bit known so when there is a position you really get recommended and you in a couple of instances i got directly to interview with the manager and i skipped the hr kind of role that normally i was my cv was not considered because i didn't have the experience so this was very good so that's maybe these two things give time but three things give time 
check podcast information and available trainings about the MSL and compliance. Well, if you're in the UK, compliance is a big thing. Uh, check your country's compliance and pharma things and also reach out to everybody on LinkedIn. Yeah, I think that's great advice, particularly around compliance. Um, I know when I worked in Australia, it was the Medicines Australia Code of Conduct. I know in the UK, it's the APPI Code of Conduct. In mm-hmm. US and different countries, it has different things. And all this information is publicly available as well. So if you do want to get an understanding of what it means to be compliant in pharma when dealing with HCPs, you can just Google it and have an idea and identify some particular phrases and words that you can then use in an MSL interview, which is super useful. Great. So in terms of an insight, which is a word that is thrown around a lot in the world of MSLs, I'd love to get your take on what you think an insight is um, with some specific examples, if you can, so people can really understand if they're in a meeting with a KOL and they say something, what is an insight and what isn't an insight? I wish I could give a black and white quick answer for the audience, but unfortunately that's not the case, but I guess that's the purpose of this call as well. So as a definition, um, if I would need to say what might this be, so an insight is an idea or a perspective on a topic of interest of your therapy area and that prompt action, so action is something, prompt action provokes maybe new thought uh, communicates a new piece of information and or perspectives uh, of things that may be half understood by the company or not clearly understood, and it may confirm or contradict pre-existing views on something or known facts, if that makes sense. But the pro- prompts action is a big thing. Um, it's still, you may be thinking if you really are not familiar, it's like, yeah, well, that, that, what does that mean? So for me, I have like an analogy in my head, especially for people who's trying to understand what a real good or true insight is. If you would imagine an iceberg and you can see the tip of the iceberg on top of the sea, that would be like common knowledge. Yeah, so this is like something which is in the public domain, easy to obtain um, or a nice to know. Yeah, but again, this is maybe general opinions or expression of interest on something or a question. So you need to ask yourself, ah, but why? Like something like, I think the data is great. You're with an HCP to tell you, I think the data of your study is great. I love it. Is this an insight? Not really. You need to say, but why? And then is where you get to see what's under the sea in your iceberg, if that makes sense. That's really when you may get a good real insight this is where we find the, the why is that information that is not that easy to obtain and it will rarely be in the public domain with an exception which might be twitter because sometimes if you're an msl make yourself a twitter account because sometimes there's discussions that happen there and it's like oh wow good to know uh, that's important um but that that's that's i think the take-home message we need to understand the why of these common knowledge things. It needs to be relevant, timely, um, and it basically articulates a so what, yeah? So it's like, we know this, so what? Yeah, so if, if, if I, and you say, give some examples, so very generalistic, but as I said, the doctor is interested in the new data. That's really not an insight. Or the doctor thinks the baseline characteristic of our near study are great or are not great. 
this is not an insight. However, if it's like, well, I like this study or the baseline characteristic of this study because this population reflects what I have in my own clinical practice, which we didn't have a treatment until now. Well, that is the insight because it's telling you that that's what that region or it might be what they are seeing. Um, this might be things like what the guidelines say is not an insight, but especially some of the guidelines that they don't tell you order of medications, you might see here from some doctors, oh, we follow this order of these medications because X, Y, Z. That could be an insight, absolutely. You might hear something different from another area. Oh no, we, we first mm, prescribe blah class because X, Y, Z. That's also an insight. And then it's when you pull the insights together that you can then do like a top line you get key insights as well because you may be like oh across the uk we hear this or there is variability in this and this is the things that happen so that, well, that's an important thing yeah yeah and i think what i've heard again and again from you with those example it's the words that they use after because so yeah. i use drug x not an insight i use drug x because it's well tolerated in my patients and they can't tolerate drug y it's what happens after the word because that's a really useful insight as you said you can't find it online it's not publicly available it's based on their clinical experience based on the relationship you've, you've built with them and based on the gentle probing questions you've asked them to really uncover what is behind that initial um, topic that they mentioned. Absolutely. And then there's something about closing the loop of these insights. Yeah. And this is also, well, I guess maybe one of the next questions might be, what do you do with them? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess if, if we, before we talk about what you do with them, you mentioned you have to ask why. Do you have any yeah. kind of specific? ways or tips and tricks that you use in order to get as many insights from KOLs as possible? Yeah, so even before that, I'm going to go to, if you start as an MSL or you are already an MSL, you might notice that sometimes the companies mm, indicate as part of the medical strategy or as part of an, a structured way of collecting information, what are some of the potential questions or let's say, yeah, structured way of getting insights that there might be, but there's also the unstructured or like free way, free, yeah, in, in insights, that it's things that the company doesn't know that they need to know. And these are also quite valuable. Um, so in terms of how do you get these insights? I think there's many things. One of the most important things is building the trust with the experts. Um, that's something that you do um, progressively, but one of the main key things, and this is very related of what do you ask, is that if you just ask them questions to try to get insights, you're just caring about what the company needs to know. So before asking, I would say, listen. Listen is the main thing. If you care about what the, it's important to them, that's how you build the trust. Then when they are listening, you might already hear insights, but this then when you comes in the questioning to be curious about these things. And in terms of the questioning, a good skill is to not ask yes or no answers. 
um, questions, sorry. This may be good to start with, to try to find the topic of conversation you want to steer it about. But then there's something called calibrated questions, which these are more about the open answer, how, when, who. And I would actually try to avoid why. Because when you just ask, even though we've been saying it, what it matters is the why. When it comes to ask them, asking, oh, but why do you do this? It seems like you're putting them on the spot and it might feel a bit- um, Like you're interrogating them. Like I'm interrogating or I'm just trying to actually judge their answer. If you try to say, mm, what's the protocol you may use for treating these patients or how do you do X, Y, Z in your clinical practice? It seems more you're asking from the curious point of view and you're trying to be helpful and understanding what's that they do. And you really get the same, the same answer, really. You get this, so what, uh, that is important for the company. So yeah, build trust, listen by list, through listening and then have these calibrated how, when, what about this uh, questioning, yeah. I think that's such a fantastic tip. And I, it's something that's so important for our listeners to understand as well that it's the word why could actually trigger almost a defensive stance in certain KOLs. And if someone gets defensive, then they shut down. It's going to mm-hmm. uh, ruin the relationship and you're not going to get the insights that you need. Whereas by asking things in a softer way, as you said, by, you know, how might you treat this type of patient or what is the usual protocol for this? It's a lot softer and it gives them the chance to kind of really think about it when they're not under pressure and then give you the insights that you need. Um, so yeah, I think that's a very, very good way to go about it. Um, and then if we can go on to when you get these insights, um, what do you do with them? And I'd love you to comment as well on, and you've touched on it briefly, in terms of if you start to hear the same insights over and over again, or even like two or three times, do you have a specific practice in place where you kind of really want to figure out, okay, is this just a coincidence or is this a trend that I really need to understand a little bit more? Because potentially this is a trend that could really impact our current medical strategy. And it's something we really need to know if it is um, something that's happening across the board or only with certain cohorts of um, doctors, for example. Yeah, so each company will have a different way to input these insights in and each company will have their preference. But as, as you said, and as we commented before, um, repetition is also important unless the repetition comes from the same person, obviously. Uh, but repetition across the territory is important because sometimes that you might collect as a low important insight from this one person, it might actually be a key thing that informs the medical strategy if you're hearing the same thing from everybody else's or other way around. If you hear the same insight, but this is slightly different and it might actually um, inform on, you know, there's something you can follow up, like why does this happen differently in certain regions and in other regions? And then this is when you can, after seeing this, you can go back to those conversations and say, what is the thing that might be happening that this happens this way, but in other areas doesn't happen that way. And it might actually bring to another even better insight that we didn't know we were missing out and just saying, well, there is a challenge because 
there is no way to follow up these patients after they've been discharged, for example. Um, so this is important. This might open actually to an opportunity for the company to support via whatever you have in your country. Here in the UK, we have joint working, for example, or there may be any other avenues in other countries. But that's, that's what is like the actions bit that we were talking about. If we just collect information that seem to be this bottom of the iceberg and the whys, and we put them in a system, and it's like a information data dump, there's nothing we're doing with it. Even though some companies have some analysis things, as a team of MSLs and country-wise, we also need to join the dots, have discussion between us, what are you hearing? What are the most important um, key teams and everything? And we can join the dots between our territory or between our team, especially if we are a team of like more than three people, things like this. Um, and it's about closing this loop. Now, how do we close the loop? Sometimes we can close it between medical and sometimes it's been as easy as Dr. X is doing, trying to do this and somebody says, oh, but somebody else has done this. Oh, let's bring this together. It's very easy for us. We just joined the dots, but it means so much for them. It does mean a lot. But then that's the easy bit, joining the dots between the MSL team. But sometimes it comes down to cross-functionally working within the company. Sometimes there's insights that are valuable for market access, for example, or even for, for brand teams, for other areas, from, for clinical cleanups, especially if you're working within the pre-license in your, in your product or early phase studies or many molecules, etc. And this is where it comes having a um, robust, and, and compliant as well, robust and compliant way of um, discussing top insights where other cross-functional teams can act upon, because this is the act upon bit which is important. Yeah, 100%. I mean, actionable insights are so important because otherwise it's just a piece of information and nothing actually happens. It doesn't drive the strategy forward or shape it in any way. Um, in terms of different insights being valuable for different teams. Do you think it's important that MSLs proactively share their insights with the right team together with a proposed action? Do you think that's a good way for MSLs to really demonstrate their value? Absolutely, especially because depending on the company setup on how you log the insights, other functions might not have access to this. So, or, or they are just too busy, because if you think about it, um, well, first things first, in my opinion, and in many people's opinions, I think insights is the way that we are able from medical to drive medical strategy and to bring value back to the company by things that happen in clinical practice and opinion leaders, but also just not key opinion leaders, like clinic, actual clinical practice. Uh, how, what's the impact of the data? What does it mean for them? Um, that's one thing. But then if you think about it, other functions have their own strategy. Marketing has their own strategy. So that's why I said the word robust way of sharing these insights. If you just put it and hope they are going to do something with it, news is like they are not because they don't know what this means for them. Because you have just put the insight on the words of the doctor but you haven't write it in a way that will be transferable to what does it mean for you? 
What does it mean for you that works in the partnerships team? What does it mean for you that work in cleanups? Yeah. And this is why it's important to do this. And again, I said compliantly because not prescription things and this kind of stuff, but opportunities to support, for example, to partnerships, to put an example, would be have a meeting with them. Look, I've been having these and these conversations and you can already join the dots from two or three insights and say, we can see there is a trend. There is a, a need for support on this sort of clinical pathway, you know, and this is how then actions come alive and projects come. And this is really, really meaningful. Obviously, this cannot be done for each inside. Uh, you need to kind of think what what really matters for the other teams, especially having in mind that they, they have so many other priorities. So yeah. you need to have a very... Um, impactful and simple but effective way of telling them I had these conversations this is what it means for you these are some suggested actions you can also not go and impose you need to do that course, it's yeah. like this is what it means for you may you might want to think about this happy to discuss yeah and I think as well it goes back to what we were discussing earlier about identifying trends if you as an MSL just hear one thing randomly from a certain KOL Perhaps just that one insight isn't the time to go to a different team mm -hmm. and say, hey, look, I think you need to change the strategy. But if it's something that piques your interest and you think, okay, I'm actually going to identify if other MSLs are hearing this, if this opinion is shared by other key opinion leaders, and once then you have something to really kind of validate a potential assumption that you have, then you can go to the teams and say, look, well, there's actually quite a consensus among the clinical community. Um, and based on this, it might be a good idea to pivot the strategy in this direction or this direction. Yeah, absolutely. And there may be even within your company, the right forum to do that. Like sometimes there may be brand team meetings or um, access team meetings. So you might wish to say, actually, can I join for 10 minutes to share I want to share something with you and just have a snappy and meaningful way to come your message across that is able to have this thinking on actions that can be happen to close this loop. And, and really, at the end, it's about filling the needs and the gaps that happen to clinical practice and to our healthcare professionals, because most of the times it's about supporting them to help with patient access or if you are early on trials, filling these knowledge gaps that can be maybe be filled through a study, things like this. So ultimately is having the um, HCP and patient at the end and kind of, um, yeah, facilitating access and improving patient care really. Yeah, 100%. Having a patient-centric strategy is mm -hmm. so important. And I loved what you said about um, brand team meetings because when I worked as an MSL I would often present at brand team meetings mm -hmm. and I found it not only a very useful forum to ensure action was taken on the insights I was collecting but also a very useful forum for me to understand from my colleagues the gaps in their knowledge and the things that they were unsure of because then it meant when I was in the field I had the overall brand strategy together mm -hmm. with the medical strategy in the back of my mind and it enabled me to notice insights a little bit more that I knew would be strategically relevant to my colleagues. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Be aware of the overall company strategy, not just what matters for medical, because otherwise they might say something you don't even pay attention. Whilst if you're well, you 
there's something that this rings a bell and you may be like oh can you please explain a bit more what do you mean by that and this when an insight might come which does not maybe matter for medical but it will be a key thing for market access and nobody else is asking at the end we have the name liaison in our role for a reason so yeah absolutely 100 percent. and i think nowadays as medical affairs is a strategic pillar being mm -hmm. able to understand the overall strategy and as you said liaise with the different departments and feed those insights back so it actually feed into patient-centric strategies is of utmost importance for M cells. It's very interesting you said the strategic pillar because this last week I was in like a meeting which there was different companies and about the MSL discussion, the role, how the role is evolving. And it was discussed exactly this, like if you look back maybe 10 years ago, I mean, I wasn't an MSL then, but it seems by what people are saying that 10 years ago, the MSL was like the scientific support, but now it, they did like a little bit of a like um, poll and it's not anymore a scientific support. We still need to be the scientific experts, of course, but we are not considered a scientific support. We are rather the strategic partner because we are out there seeing what's happening in clinical practice, having these conversations, and we are able to be the link between the medical and brand and overall business strategy and what's going on out there. And we're able to support both ways, if that makes sense. So absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And it makes sense that the medical science liaisons and medical affairs who are so close to the clinicians are the ones who are feeding those insights back because that's ultimately mm -hmm. what helps the company ensure that everything they're doing supports the needs of the clinicians and therefore the patients as well. Absolutely. Fantastic. Monica, thank you so much for the chat today. It was fantastic to hear your specific examples and thank you so much for sharing your experience. My pleasure. 